Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom, I'm Dr. Diana Dye with Foundations in Torah and Bible Interact TV. Welcome to this series of programs, The Fig Tree. We're on the third session this week, and we've been talking about all the different aspects of the fig tree. Le- left off last time with something very interesting, a, the fertilizing process that took place when the the figs were taken from Africa, the fig wasp did not go with the trees to the land of Israel. And so they had to come up with a way to cause fertile, uh, fertilization in the tree. There was a process called parthenocarpy, was what they used. They don't use it today as highly labor-intensive. It's certainly not cost-effective to do it. But the pattern of, the, of this particular process was very much like the pattern of what Yeshua the Messiah went through, and that is that they would take the the fruit and they they would pierce it and they would gash it and they would oil it, and then in the gashing process, it would allow a gas to be released, ethanol, uh, ethylene gas, and so that would hasten the ripening process, causing the fruit to be ripened quicker. And so I made the case that uh, I I couldn't help but see the con- connection there with the Messiah who was pierced for our transgressions. And his blood was shed in that the fruit, the sap that came out of the fruit uh, was in the same picture. The shed blood of our for our redemption, that he was oiled for burial. And that the sweet odor from the gas that was released was a picture of the Holy Spirit. And that the fruit would be basically, it would become sweet and fleshy after three days. So it, it took three to four days from the time of the piercing and the oiling in order for the fruit, the siconia, to enlarge and then become sweet and fleshy. So kind of an interesting picture of the resurrection of the dead. And this week I'd like to sort of change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about something interesting. Um, this is a pattern that is established in Leviticus from a, a Torah commandment that has to do with trees. So I think we should uh, start over there in Leviticus 19, uh, 23 through 25. The commandment was that when you enter the land and plant various kinds of fruit trees, you are to regard its fruit as forbidden. That's the key word here, forbidden. For three years it will be forbidden to you and not eaten. In the fourth year all its fruit will be holy for praising God. But in the fifth year, you may eat of its fruit so that it will be, it will produce even more for you. So we have a pattern here of the third and fourth and fifth year. So between year one and year three, when you came into the land, the fruit of the fruit tree for the first three years was considered to be forbidden. You could not eat it. And really, even in the fourth year, um, it was not eaten, but it was set aside. It was like the first fruits in the fourth year set aside for praising God. And then in the fifth year, you would be able to eat the fruit so that it would produce more for you. So this is this pattern and principle that we're going to look at in a little more detail. Again, the, the fruit of the fourth year uh, was the holy fruit, the, the fruit to me that came to represent our deliverance from the flesh. And so what the rabbis say is that it would appear that Adam and Eve 
Adam and Chava ate the, and we know it's called the forbidden fruits, the same term, and they ate the fruit in the first three years. Now that commandment tells us you're not supposed to eat fruit the first three years when you come into the land. But they went ahead and ate the fruit. And this fruit was, the fruit of the first three years was considered to be forbidden, and it's actually another word for uncircumcised. So essentially, by doing this, they were now in what we call an uncircumcised state, both physically and spiritually. And so they were, of course, exiled out of the garden, which is a picture of the temple. They could not stay within that boundary. They had to go outside because they were in a state of death. And, uh, of course, there's a whole series of, of laws for ritual purity that have to do with death. And so they had to be outside that boundary. They could not be inside the boundary of the of the garden or the temple, however you want to look at it. So it was that, and we talked about this in our first week, that essentially they had physically and spiritually, if you will, joined themselves to that tree, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was an unsanctified tree. It was in the first three years, the fruit of the first three years. And it was unsanctified in its influence as well. Again, I talked about it as being a picture, an idiom, a metaphor, a type, if you will, for marriage. That she took Ava and she ate. And it was an idiom for marriage in that she took as seen as betrothal and ate as a full stage of marriage. And basically joined herself in an unholy alliance with that tree. So as she joined herself, and, and just see it as a metaphor, that she that fruit was produced. And the fruit that was produced, the offspring, now contained the same seed as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it just kept on producing this unholy, unsanctified seed until the seed of God that came along and breaks the cycle. And that's the seed of God. That is the Messiah, the Son of God. So the rabbis uh, tell us that in this uncircumcised state, is the state that Adam and Hava find themselves in, one, quote, one lacks strength to stand up in the divine presence. So they could not remain in the presence of God. They had to be exiled out of the garden. And this idea of standing up or being upright and righteous before the Lord, they were not in the state. They were in maybe what we would call the state of the flesh, in which they were they had to be separated from God. They could not stand in his presence. So we have this this flesh state, if you will, in this physical body, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just is unsanctified. And the whole process of coming into the kingdom is to raise your spiritual status. And so God in his mercy and grace would provide a way for them to draw near. So although it doesn't tell us a whole lot in scripture, the idea was that a, an offering was made, a burnt offering, and the blood was shed and in the burnt offering in the temple, the, the skins were the portion that were given to the priests. So if Adam and Hava were in the temple, if you will, if the garden was a picture of the temple, he functioned as a priest there. And so he would be given the skins of the burnt offering. That offering, the Tamid Korban Allah, was made every morning and every evening. And as I said, everything was consumed in that offering. The priests didn't actually eat that particular one, but they were given the skins. So we see that with Adam, that, that uh, they were given the skins. Now, I mentioned that uh, the, the pattern in Leviticus 19 really is our pattern for redemption. So it probably would help uh, 
if we went ahead and, and looked at that again, when you enter the land and plant various kinds of fruit trees, you are to regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years it will be forbidden to you and not eaten. In the fourth year all its fruit will be holy for praising God. But in the fifth year you may eat of its fruit so that it will produce even more for you. So this is our pattern for redemption. So we're going to have to look at the word here for forbidden. The Hebrew word is aral. And I'll transliterate it A-R-A-L. And it really means uncircumcised. That is the meaning of the word forbidden, aral, uncircumcised. And it is therefore related to the foreskin, which is arla. Can you hear? There's the same sound for those two words. And foreskin is kind of how we translate it. But the scriptures sort of refer that refer to that as the flesh. And in certainly in the New Testament, the Gospels and the Epistles, talks about the old nature, the old man, the works of the flesh, all that kind of thing. So this uncircumcised state or this forbidden state in its root meant anything extra, that which was not important, that which was worthy of disposal. And certainly this is a description of our flesh nature that God, of course, wants us circumcised, not uncircumcised, but circumcised in heart and in the flesh. Now, remember, this commandment applied to the, uh, Israel when they were in the land. And so for, for three years, the fruit that was produced, the fruit that came from the tree, was uncircumcised. It was not important, if you will. It was worthy of disposal. It was not in a high level of sanctity. It was in a lower level of sanctity. It was unsanctified fruit. So eating the fruit, eating the uncircumcised fruit, uh, put Adam and Hava in an uncircumcised state. And again, they couldn't remain inside the boundaries of the temple, inside that sanctified area that had to be removed, and they were exiled out of the garden. And it is that this fruit of the first three years, they basically, the, the sages say, that had n there was no benefit that could be derived from eating the fruit. And yet, if this is the case, Adam and Hava went ahead and ate the fruit anyways. Uh, according to the sages, and I quote, once Israel wants fruit, it must show it can restrain its desire and wait three years. So this idea of restraining the desire, restraining the flesh, that's because the rabbi said that in these first three years, the possibility of sin existed, which is kind of interesting. So what's the deal? Why wait three years? And they say that it's because fruit trees were created on the on the third day of creation. So on the third day in the three years, they, they make that connection. Uh, they say uh, that Israel refraining from the fruit of the trees for three years marked the regeneration of humanity. So again, this idea of redemption, regeneration, restoration, all seem to be connected to the third day. And of course, Yeshua was raised from the dead on the third day. And in the first session, I talked about how this, the sprout that came forth, the deshe, and then the secondary use of the word sprout to be the tzemach, or we call it, we translated the branch, but it's really a sprout, that this sprout would come forth out of the earth. And zamak is certainly a term used for the Messiah. So on the third day, trees are created. The, the fruit comes forth. The seed is in the fruit. And all these things are connected to the third day. And again, regeneration comes forth by the Messiah on the third day. And 
There are numerous examples in scripture of this use of the third day. On the third day, something being raised up, something being transformed on the third day. This is from Genesis 17:11. It says, you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and that will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Any uncircumcised, that's our word, arel, who will not circumcise his foreskin, our law, will be cut off. The Hebrew word is karet. Things will be cut short, separated, exiled, whatever term you want to use. So in the context of Adam and Eve, we're saying that they were in an uncircumcised state. They were uncircumcised and uh, they ate the fruit in the first three years. And so therefore they were cut off. And again, they were exiled out of the garden. So the flesh in these first three years really relates to, it's really a, causes a hindrance in our spiritual relationship with God when we are walking, quote, in the flesh. And if we don't deal with it, eventually it will be a permanent separation from God, not the, the pattern of the separation of Adam and Hava is that they could be restored and they can be redeemed and they could come back into his presence. But of course, repentance had to take place. And so this, the flesh really translates into this hindrance in our spiritual relationship with, with the father. It gets in the way and prevents, uh, the, it prevents the relationship from going forward. And then of course we can't be in his presence face to face. It is the flesh that obstructs. And it is the flesh, really, that is the expendable part of a human being. Now, the reason for circumcision is not given in the Torah. And there's certainly a lot of different opinions. Uh, for instance, the Rambam says that circumcision was the thing that would counteract the excessive lust in a man. So we think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What were the qualities of that tree? Well, it was lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So circumcision was to counter those qualities. The, the works of the flesh would be the result of eating the fruit in the first three years. And we can go to Galatians 5.19, and we have a whole list here of the deeds or works or the fruit of the flesh. And what are some of those things that Paul mentions? sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idol worship, um, misuse of drugs, translated in the complete Jewish Bible, feuding, fighting, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, drunkenness. These have no share in the kingdom. The kingdom would be the seventh day or the seventh year, however you want to make that pattern. So all these things are the result of of eating the fruit in the first three years, if you will, that the, the, these are the fruit, these are the works of the fruit of the flesh. And so um, they are not things we want in our life and they have no share in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, typically prayers that you read for Shabbat, for the Sabbath, in speaking of the holiness of the seventh day, again, this goes back to that seven thing, it says, one of the prayers says, in its contentment, the uncircumcised shall not abide. So the uncircumcised will not enjoy the contentment of the Sabbath, the Shabbat, the seventh day, which again is the seventh, the picture of the messianic kingdom. It talks about circumcising the foreskin of your heart, which is kind of a play on words. Um, 
foreskin being our law, uncircumcised being um, uh, a law, our law, they're connected. So circumcise the foreskin of your heart and don't be stiff necked. Now the root uh, for circumcision comes from the very root is mal, M-A-L, which actually means to fill the hole. It's also uh, the word for word or speech is connected to it. But mala means to fill or fulfill or accomplish. And it's actually the very same word for first fruits. Isn't that interesting? Because when were the first fruits? Well, they were in the fourth year. So the uncircumcised fruit in the first three years, and then once circumcised, if you will, the first fruits come forth in the fourth year. Again, all of this in, in idiom for the future days of the Messiah. And the idea of being circumcised in the heart and the flesh is said to convey the reunification of the body at large, the body of believers, if you will, to their Messiah, their head, so that the head was no longer severed from the body. Quotes um, are in union with him. You were circumcised with a circumcision that stripped away the old nature and its control over the body. And it was said that no foreigner or uncircumcised in both heart and flesh may enter my sanctuary. Again, you cannot enter into the presence of God in an unsanctified state. Now, there was a commandment not to plant a tree, uh, any tree, which the Hebrew word there is Asherah, in the shadow of the place where you draw near to God. So you could not plant a tree in the place where you drew near to God's presence. And I talked about this in previous programs, this idea of, of drawing near or coming in the shadow of the place. This word shadow comes from the root cell, which means to come in under the shelter of the sovereign. And so our question has been, which sovereign? In the case of Adam and Eve, they came under the shelter of the sovereign that represents the kingdom, the enemy's kingdom versus coming under the shelter or sovereign of the, the father. So the question is, whose shade, if you will, do you come under? We mentioned previously as well that the fig tree had very large leaves, a very large canopy that provided abundant shade for, for the folks in Israel in the summertime. Now this Asherah tree or pole was a tree that was dedicated to idolatry, the, the idolatry of the pagans, those that were in an uncircumcised state. And this is a quote from Tosefta, the, the Tosefta Avoda Zeraz 6.8. It says, what is an Asherah, this tree or this pole? It is any tree which pagans worship and guard. So this would apply to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a quote from that same uh, source says, there are three Asherahs in the land of Israel, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but one is a sycamore fig in the Carmel. It's kind of interesting. So they say that the pagans would sow seeds underneath the sycamore in the rainy season so that it will produce more fruit. So then the picture is that he who comes under this sycamore in the Carmel to produce more fruit, uh, he is as if he came into a temple of idolatry. So he who comes under its shadow comes under its sovereign. And that sovereign is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or what we would associate with Hasatan. Now this, this idolatry image is actually something quite ancient. And uh, there was an Egyptian goddess by the name of Hathor, and she was called the Lady of the Sycamore. 
And so uh, she's kind of a patterned after Eve, if you will. She was attracted to the sycamore tree and its fruit. Isn't that interesting? And uh, whatever the representations of this lady Hathor show her as this goddess inside the tree, reaching out from the tree with arms showing. And her thing was uh, offering the deceived, those who dwelled underneath the tree, she would offer them food and water. So the deceived, if you will, are seen uh, sitting under the branches of the tree with this Hathor uh, Egyptian goddess sprouting from the trunk. Can you see all the imagery that connects to what we've been talking about, the fig tree? So she is also called the goddess, uh, This as a goddess, she was uh, related to the symbol of renewal, which is very much like what the, the fig tree, the imagery of the fig tree. We talked about how even if it's cut down, it can grow new uh, branches out of the stump, and that if the tree, if something happened to the tree, it would push put down its roots even deeper to protect itself. And now how the tree had very great powers of, of restorative powers, it could come forth from actually almost dying. And so we see the same thing, this idea of renewal in the fig tree with this Egyptian goddess Hathor. Apparently she had a role in the afterlife of the deceased. Um, because it was said the soul of the dead was attracted to and nourished by the tree. So again, all this comes from uh, ancient mythology, but it does connect us here to the, to the tree. Now, the antidote to all of this uncircumcised uh, state of the first three years was the regeneration of humanity brought by the fruit of the fourth year. So the fourth year fruit is really the key. Uh, let me just read this from Colossians 2.1. You were dead because of your sins. That is because of your foreskin. In other words, your old nature. But God made you alive along with Messiah by forgiving all your sins. So you who were separated from God because of your fruit or your deeds, reconciliation was brought about by Yeshua's death and resurrection. And this is all part of what we call the message uh, though secret and hidden for the ages is now clear to the ones he has set apart for himself. And of course, the ones that he has set apart for himself are the ones who are walking in a circumcised state in both heart and in flesh. And so this is, uh, this is all connected to this raising up of your level, the raising up of the, your level of sanctity or your spiritual status is keyed by the fruit of the fourth year. And so if you think about Yeshua, the Messiah, um, and we'll, we'll look at this in more detail next time. But if we have a picture of the 7,000 years of God, the 7,000 years of human history, if you will, the seventh 1,000 year being the time of the Messianic kingdom, and then previous, we have 6,000 years. Those are related to days. So in the same way, we have a creation week, day one through day seven. Day seven is the Shabbat. The same pattern applies to Yeshua's coming. So in a sense, he came on the fourth day and on the seventh day, but he also came in the fourth thousand year and he'll come again in the seventh thousand year. And so this has to do with this pattern that we've seen here, the redemption um, on the fourth and seventh day, which I, again, we'll, we're going to, we'll start getting into it in more detail in our, uh, in our next section session. So the fruit that we're going to focus in on now is going to be the fruit of the fourth year and the fifth year. Remember the fourth year, 
the fruit will be fruit that will be holy for praising God. And then in the fifth year, now you can eat of its fruit so that it will produce even more for you. So again, the rabbis felt that the, the fig tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that the fruit on the tree was essentially in the land. It was in the garden and that Adam and Hava ate the fruit in the first three years when the fruit was considered to be in an unsanctified, uncircumcised state. So that's uh, that kind of wraps up uh, this session talking about the fruit of the first three years. And so again, we're going to move on to the to the fruit of the fourth year and the fifth year. And the whole message of the redemption that comes out of after the three years being raised up. Uh, I would just like to encourage you to uh, go to my website, foundationsintorah.com. And uh, you'll find in interesting information on a, a variety of sources and drive topics that I that have uh, taught on. And so um, I would encourage you also to go to Bible Interact TV. Lots more good teaching there. So we'll talk to you next time. See you then. Shalom.